Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. This episode contains discussions of verbal and physical child abuse and disturbing statements against the LGBTQ community and those living with mental illnesses. Listener discretion is advised. Now, it's no secret that we live in the age of social media. Likes, shares, and filters shape our perception of the world to a point where it's hard for many of us to distinguish fantasy from reality. Likes and follows fabricate credibility. Filters and FaceTime create impossible beauty standards for women. And family vloggers in their perfectly edited videos seem to have parenting all figured out. Occasionally, we get a glimpse behind the filters, edits, and perfectly crafted posts, revealing the unfiltered truth of lives that are far more imperfect than we could ever imagine. On this episode of Crime Salad, we pull back the curtain on a Mormon family vlogger whose wholesome online persona masked a disturbing reality. This viral story has many wondering how a person with millions of followers could hide the cruelty that was taking place behind the scenes. A self-help cult, a Mormon guru, and shameless abuse define a story that is dominating everyone's For You page. Today, we are going to discuss the downfall of Ruby Frankie and her cultish entanglement with Jody Hildebrand. So let's start our story in 2015. That year, a woman named Ruby Frankie created a YouTube channel called Eight Passengers. In Ruby's first video, Meet the Passengers, shows a happy family of eight, including Ruby, her husband Kevin, and her six children. In the channel's early days, Ruby's videos covered a wide range of topics, including her daily life, homeschooling, parenting tips, family vacations, and other relatable content. The mom of six would also discuss family dynamics and share her struggles and triumphs as a mother. Eight passengers became an internet sensation, reaching 2.3 million followers on YouTube and 1 billion views. However, this wholesome picture would soon be questioned by viewers. In every thumbnail and every social media post, the six Frankie kids seemed carefree and happy. 
always wearing stylish blouses, polos, dresses, and big smiles. Yet behind the thumbnail, a few minutes into every video, viewers began to sense that something was not quite right. Ruby would make unsettling comments to her kids, and many of her videos featured bizarre punishments. I'm going to discuss some of these punishments now, which may be triggering for some listeners, so if you're sensitive to this topic, I suggest skipping ahead. All right, let's dive into the controversies that surrounded eight passengers, the Frankie family vlog. First, let's talk about Ruby and Kevin's oldest son, Chad. Now 18 years old, Chad was a victim of Ruby's odd authoritarian punishments for years. In one video, Chad and his younger brother were roughhousing on the floor before dinner, as boys do. Chad was tickling his brother, Russell, who was clearly enjoying it, belly laughing and rolling around on the floor. And in the video, Ruby said to Chad, stop it. I am only going to say it one more time, and then you are going to lose the privilege to eat dinner. Yikes. Now, this was not the only time that Ruby used hunger to control her children. In another video that has recently gone viral, she explained a situation where her youngest daughter, Eve, had forgotten to pack her lunch for school. That day, the six-year-old girl's teacher texted Ruby, allegedly asking if she would bring her daughter lunch. Ruby's response? The mother of six refused to bring her child a lunch and said that this would teach her daughter a lesson. She said proudly, Hopefully no one steps in and gives her a lunch because then she is not going to learn from the natural outcome. This clip is so disturbing to watch, and it makes you wonder how this woman was able to gain millions of followers and stay active on YouTube for so long. And on top of that, all mainstream organizations against child abuse consider withholding food from children as a cruel form of punishment, and some have even identified it as a trait of narcissism. How could this have gone on for so many years? Anyways, moving on. Now, withholding food wasn't the only way that Ruby controlled her children. Her youngest daughter, Eve, seemed to be the target of many of Ruby's odd punishments. One night, according to Ruby, Eve wet the bed. Eve woke Ruby up around 2 o'clock in the morning to tell her what had happened and asked for help. Instead of changing her daughter's clothes and cleaning up her bed so Eve could go back to sleep, Ruby told her daughter to go to sleep on the floor in the bathroom. In the video where Ruby willingly volunteers this story, she acts as if wetting the bed is an act of defiance and smirks at the camera. And in another video Ruby posted on social media, she filmed herself scolding Eve, who was a toddler at the time, for using scissors to cut up various things around the family's home. Ruby held Eve's favorite teddy bear by the neck as she said to her daughter, if you cut one more thing in my house, I am going to take the scissors and I am going to cut its head off. Calling this disturbing is an understatement. In all of these videos, time and time again, Ruby smiled at her children's pain and seemed to dehumanize her kids. Ruby actually captured a moment where she seemed to confess that she didn't love her kids. In a video, Ruby mentions a gold ring that she gave her daughter, Julie, when she was just eight years old. The ring had been Ruby's as a girl. In front of all of her daughter's friends and siblings, Ruby recorded herself saying something extremely unsettling. Let's listen to a clip of the video.
Julie, when you turned eight years old, do you remember I gave you the gold ring when I was a little girl? Mm -hmm. And you grew out of it because it doesn't fit you anymore. But I just enjoyed seeing it on your hand so much. Every day when I would see it on your hand, I would remember that you really are precious and that you really are a jewel. And it would remind me to treat you with a lot of respect and love. And so really that ring is for me. So when I see you wear it, it reminds me of yourself to treat, to treat you with love. So what are your thoughts about that clip, Ricky? What do you think it says about Ruby? Well, I think it's weird that she needs like a, a constant reminder that she loves her daughter, right? Like it kind of just screams narcissism to me. Yeah, me too. Or like she's, you know, she doesn't have feelings, like she's numb, like she's completely self-centered. Right. Now, the punishments and strange comments didn't end here. Over the years, Ruby published over 1,000 videos on eight passengers, and many of them featuring these bizarre forms of punishment for seemingly normal behavior. In front of her millions of followers, Ruby threatened to make Eve stay home from the movies because she asked what movie they were going to see. Ruby claimed that Eve was being ungrateful and said that unless she gave Ruby a huge apology, she would have to stay home with a babysitter. She banned Chad from his own bedroom for seven months, forcing him to sleep on a beanbag. She even took away Christmas from her two youngest children for allegedly acting out. Wait, so let's go back. So Eve just asked what movie they're watching? Yeah. And it came off as ungrateful. But she was just, maybe she was just curious what movie they were going to watch. Exactly. Now, Ruby also sent Chad, who was 14 at the time, to a wilderness therapy camp for 10 weeks. The parents never said exactly what Chad did to warrant wilderness therapy, but said that they hoped the program would give him a fresh start. If you aren't aware already, these wilderness camps have recently been in the spotlight for their backwards treatments and abuse. Many teens have come forward sharing that the camp staff traumatized them. Allegedly, some of these programs that still exist deprive teens of food for weeks, restrain them in their sleeping bags so that they can't run away at night, and force them to hike miles in the summer sun with only one outfit allotted a week. Over 1,500 staff members of these camps have been involved in abuse claims, ranging from restraints gone too far, causing broken bones, and even sexual abuse. So now you know a few of the punishments that Ruby inflicted on her children in front of her 2.3 million followers. However, no one but Ruby and her children know exactly what was going on behind the scenes. So one question that I have here is there's 2.3 million followers, but like how many people actually watch the videos to learn and, you know, kind of like mimic their parenting styles after hers. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moms out there who are looking for answers on how to be a better parent, on tips and tricks, and they could be influenced by this seemingly perfect life. But as Ruby released more and more videos of her disturbing behavior, the public grew worried about the kids. And an online petition was created in 2020 to have CPS investigate the Frankie home. But the public was not aware that Ruby's oldest daughter, Sherry, had already contacted CPS and the police for years about their mother's abuse. But no one had taken her claims seriously. 
In 2021, Ruby dismissed critics, saying that she was just showing the world what a responsible mother looks like. In 2022, Ruby posted a story on Instagram claiming that the public had turned against her and her family and that they were exploiting her kids by sharing clips of her videos in a negative light. Well, that's ironic. Yeah. And she said that she had decided to put an end to her Eight Passengers YouTube channel because the family needed a break from the public eye. Ruby also explained that she would not create content with her children anymore because soon they would all be out of the house, even though at the time her youngest was only eight years old. After essentially wishing her kids out of the house, she claimed that she had a more important message to share. So she renamed the Eight Passengers Instagram Moms of Truth and began to create educational content for moms. So what's weird to me here is that she's now taken the focus off of the family and put the focus completely on herself. Like, to me, that's like, that screams narcissism. You know, she cares more about looking like the great mom than actually being like a great mom. Yeah, it's wild. Now, Ruby's break from YouTube didn't last long. Shortly after ending her infamous vlog, Ruby teamed up with Mormon therapist Jody Hildebrandt, joining her YouTube channel Connections Classroom. Jody was a licensed therapist who worked exclusively within the Mormon community. She was well-liked by Mormon officials and bishops who regularly referred their constituents to her. On top of her work with individuals and couples, Jody also worked with Mormon officials to create an LDS-centered 12-step addiction program. Jody's Connections Classroom was a podcast, an online educational resource and social media giant that promoted something called the Principles of Truth. Welcome to the Empowering Joy class. I'm Jody Hildebrandt. I am sure you're here because you have a desire to heal a desire to have joy in your life and connection in your relationships. I have that same desire, not only for myself, but also for you. Those of you who have been given a diagnosis, I want to tell you that your diagnosis is not who you are. It's not you. The truth is, is that you can change. You just need education. You need the correct education. I invite you to join me every Saturday to Learn about principles of truth, the base being honest, responsible, and humble, and how you can use your choices to empower you to recognize distortion and recognize truth and reframe those distortions, those lies, back into what the reality is, back into the truth. I hate Jody already. Ruby became Jody's sidekick, appearing in all of her videos and on Connections promotional content. In one promotional video, Ruby explained how her kids listened to the class each weekend with her and that she printed out slides from the course and hung them up on a refrigerator to remind her children not to be disrespectful towards her. As you can probably tell from the clip we just played, Connections seems to be an ambiguous self-help class based on things that many people find to be true. Being honest, responsible, and humble are probably things that most people strive for in their lives. But 
what exactly are these principles of truth and what did Jody mean by distortions? Well, that would prove to be a bit ambiguous too, but we're based in fundamental Mormonism. You see, while Jody was a licensed therapist and life coach, much of her teachings were off the beaten path. She was known in the therapy community for creating unique therapies and promoting ideologies that could not be found in any psychology textbooks. Part of this had to do with her entanglement with Mormon officials. In order for bishops to refer church members to a therapist, they had to be vetted by the LDS church. One former Mormon therapist claimed that when she was vetted by the church, LDS officials asked her about her stance on masturbation, LGBTQ rights, and whether she would discuss sex with her clients. According to this therapist, the church was looking for individuals who were opposed to masturbation, pro-conversion therapy, and would not discuss sex with their clients, including married couples. Being so close to Mormon leaders, Jody had obviously passed this initial test, and these opinions, among others, shaped her therapy practice. With these perspectives at the foundation of Jody's practice, you can see how her theories and therapies quickly became problematic with the general public and her clients. Jody and Ruby were vocal about their offbeat opinions on psychological disorders and the LGBTQ community. They even promoted disturbing opinions about victims of sexual abuse and rape. In a string of video rants, Jody made comments about a range of psychological disorders. She said that those diagnosed with PTSD just liked playing the victim. They did this for attention. Then she called having PTSD a distortion because it was not the truth. She also commented on obsessive compulsive disorder, stating that people with OCD have OCD because they don't understand the love of God and they don't know how to manage discomfort. What does that even mean? Perhaps one of the most shocking statements made by Jody was when she explained her stance on consent. In a video, Jody identified herself as pro-abstinence and said that when you take away consent during sex and your partner doesn't listen to you, this is your fault. Jody also felt that a child coming out as gay was an act of defiance. Let's listen to another clip where Jody discusses her feelings about the LGBTQ community, and she states some really ugly opinions about the LGBTQ community in this clip. So if you feel like this might trigger you, please skip forward a minute or so. You know, the evidence of how you've been taking care of him, like the money you've spent, the roof over his head, he has exploited all of those things. And he has been going places that are very dangerous and destructive to his little soul. There's not a soul on the planet that was born towards something that is, violates principles of truth. None of us are born to kill. None of us are born to be attracted to animals. And we're not drawn, if you will, to the same gender. Jody then suggests that being gay is a distortion because it's not the truth. You can override it by following the principles of truth and essentially revert back to being heterosexual. Oh, it's like the conversion therapy. Exactly. It reminds me of that movie, But I'm a Cheerleader. You keep talking about that movie, but I've never seen it. You should watch it. 
If you're finding these principles a bit confusing and cryptic, you are not alone. It seemed that the principles of truth were just a fancy name for however Jody wanted you to act that day. And distortions were what happened when you didn't live by her guidelines. Connections Classroom was starting to seem like a cult, with Jody as the guru and Ruby as her disciple. And about one year after Ruby joined Jody's movement, Jody's former clients began to speak out about her outrageous teachings. One former client, Calvin, said, quote, I wouldn't trust this company. They use brainwashing tactics to manipulate you. They intentionally make you feel bad about yourself. And another claimed, quote, the things these women say are nonsensical. They throw around buzzwords like truth and distortion and a rambling word salad and never end up really saying anything at all. Seems a bit cultish. Mary, who purchased the Empowering Joy course online, said, quote, The advice given by Connections Classroom is almost dangerous and borders on abuse. In their opinion, children do not have possessions. Everything a child owns in your home belongs to the parents. If a child has earned money, they have no right to it. Mary continued, Ruby exploited her family for years and made a lot of money doing so. She has videos about her daughter's periods and shaving their legs. She gave her children no privacy and now is giving parenting advice. So that part's weird to me, too, because, like, they mentioned, like, it was very cult-like. Well, a lot of times in cults, like, when you join them, you have to give up all of your possessions. So, like, anything worth money you know, physical money, all of that stuff, you give it to your leader, you know? Like, and I'm sure she's not trying to run it like a cult. It's just because she's a narcissist and that's how it's coming out. But yeah, and what's interesting is I went on their Instagram page and I came across a video that said, are you a controlling parent? And what Ruby says is like very contradicting. She says, if you let your kids do whatever they want, you're being too controlling. (laughs) How does that make sense? Like, what are you talking about? It doesn't even make any sense. And just like the one reviewer said, it's a bunch of word salad that's just kind of like scrambled in there. And If you're not controlling your kid, you're controlling your kid. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I, whatever. Okay. So sometime before the eight passengers founder quit her channel and became close with Jody Hildebrand of Connections Classroom, Ruby and her husband Kevin began counseling with Jody. Comments made by Kevin and their oldest daughter, Sherry, indicated that Jody's counseling ruined their marriage and their family. In a statement, Sherry said, quote, My dad thinks he's a horrible person. Ruby and Jody have him brainwashed. At one point, Jody moved into the Frankie's home and made Ruby and Kevin stay on opposite sides of the house. The only time she allowed them to speak to each other was when she was in the room. Around this time, Ruby joined Jody as co-host of the Connections podcast, and Kevin and Ruby separated. Allegedly, Kevin lost all contact with his daughter's family and friends. He blocked all of his children on social media, his phone, and his email. His family says that Jody and Ruby brainwashed him into leaving his family. So was Connections really a cult? Well, a lot of Jody's ex-clients and people who purchased the Empowering Joy course would say, absolutely. 
While we don't have many details on the down spiral of the Frankie's marriage, we do have a detailed account of a marriage destroyed by brainwashing, lies, and manipulation from one of Jody's former clients. Let's talk about a man named Adam Steed and his experience with Jody. Now, before meeting Jody, Adam was already well known in the LDS community. Adam had been sexually abused by a Mormon Boy Scout leader in Idaho. His abuser was a man training to be an LDS seminary teacher, which is a person who prepares nuns and priests for their careers in religion. After turning in the predator, Adam took the issue of child abuse to the governor of Idaho, and he successfully changed the statute of limitations in the state so that more victims of child abuse could come forward. Good. Yeah. So at 26 years old, Adam met Jody. According to Adam, he and his wife, Morwenna, were struggling in their marriage because of Adam's addiction to masturbation. And a Mormon bishop referred the couple to Lifestar. For those of you wondering, Lifestar is an infamous network of Mormon therapists who believe in sexual purity and have created a 12-step program for masturbation addiction. Jody was the leader of the local chapter where Adam lived, and Adam and Morwenna joined her couple's therapy group. Now, at first, Jody seemed extremely charismatic, but it didn't take long for Adam to realize that something was seriously wrong with Jody and her therapy practices. You see, Jody based her therapy around the belief that everyone had addictions. Adam recalled her saying, whether you are addicted to porn or addicted to reading scripture, you all have an addiction to something. If you didn't believe that you had an addiction to something, then you were lying to yourself and experiencing a distortion. Remember that word? I remember. The only way to fix this cycle of addiction was to follow her program. In an interview with Mormon Stories podcast, Adam speculated that Jody based her tactics off a basic human principle. When people are scared, they are more often willing to give people in leadership an incredible amount of power. So by scaring every one of her clients into believing that they were inherently bad and that only she had the solution, she secured her control over them. Another way she controlled her clients was by removing their support system. She would tell her groups to do as Jesus did and let your relationships die so that they could be reborn. She also convinced many of her clients that their entire support system, friends and family, were codependent and toxic. Many clients would then stop communicating with friends and family, only looking to Jody and the therapy group for support. In a disturbing comment, Adam said, quote, and if it didn't die on its own, Jody Hildebrandt would kill the relationship. So I think this part is kind of interesting because obviously we see this in, in domestic abuse cases where, you know, the wife or the husband, whatever, uh, basically isolates the, the other partner uh, from friends and family, right? So basically it makes them weaker and they can manipulate them more. I wonder what Jody was telling Ruby to get her husband out of the house. Well, I think... You know, basically, she just said, hey, like, he's bad, he's evil, he's no good for you, he has an addiction, it's ruining you, it's ruining the family. And eventually, when you're told that so many times, like, you're going to believe it. It's just crazy. Yeah. And especially Ruby's husband now believes that he's the bad guy. Like, he blocked his entire family, he's not talking to them at all, and he feels awful about himself. She's literally convinced him that he is the problem. So I'm wondering if she... 
Jody gets like this sense of power whenever she gets control. It's like a satisfaction. Like whenever someone like falls into her like manipulation, she's like, oh, it's like her feet. Yeah. It's like feeding her like it's a power trip. power. You know, it's it's also weird too because um, Ruby basically left eight passengers and went to what Moms of Truth or whatever. So a lot of times with like narcissists, they only want to surround themselves with people who can benefit them, right? So it's almost like maybe her family wasn't benefiting her in the way that she wanted anymore, and she thought like Jody was that next step to like surround herself by, like Jody could ultimately benefit her more. Yeah, and what's similar in Adam's case is he believes that Jody worked to end his relationship with his former wife by weaving lies about him and likening his interest in masturbation and underwear ads to pedophilia. She even told Morwenna that he should not be alone with his infant children or give them a bath. After several months of brainwashing the couple, Morwenna became more and more suspicious of Adam. At one point, it seems like his wife was instructed by Jody to entrap Adam and frame him to be a pedophile. One night, Morwenna asked Adam to give their one-year-old a bath. Then she walked into the bathroom with lingerie. Adam saw Morwenna and felt a wave of relief that maybe he was finally getting his wife back and that they could repair the relationship that had almost been completely destroyed by Jody. Then, after seeing that Adam was physically aroused, Morwenna looked at him in disgust, insinuating that he was aroused by his one-year-old daughter. The hell? So messed up. It's like framing him. It is completely. Now, finally, after destroying their relationship and Adam's identity, Jody told Adam's wife that she should not speak to him at home and that the only time that they could have a conversation was with Jody in their group therapy sessions. During this downward spiral, Morwenna called the police on Adam three separate times, once for leaving his backpack on the couch, once for trying to get by her while she was blocking the front door, and once for refusing to sleep on the floor because she had kicked him out of the bedroom. The police found no signs of physical abuse and were particularly confused by the call about the backpack. Following the string of 911 calls, Merwena left Adam and took the children with her. Then Adam's worst nightmare came to life as Jody instructed Morwenna to get a restraining order against him and he could only see his children in the presence of another adult. In the coming months, Adam would be wrongfully accused of rape, and the incident where Morwenna aroused her husband in the bathroom was twisted into a story of Adam being aroused by his one-year-old daughter. Then, Adam was framed by bishops and his estranged wife for breaking this restraining order and faced four felony charges and 20 years in prison. In the aftermath, it was clear that Jody had not only coached his wife to get a restraining order and frame him for multiple crimes— but that she had manipulated Mormon leaders to help her in this plot for total control. Eventually, all charges against Adam were dropped because there was not one shred of credible evidence against him. In fact, the charges against him had even been filed illegally. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy how that would get that far. Now, later, Adam discovered that Jody was involved with a Mormon leader in Idaho who attempted to cover up the sexual abuse Adam had brought to the public so many years before. Adam guesses that his referral to Jody and Jody's mission to destroy his life were not a coincidence. 
He thinks that there was motivation by Mormon elites to punish Adam for being a whistleblower in the child abuse scandal. Ah, that makes sense. Jody is like Ted Bundy, Adam said on Mormon Stories podcast. Ted Bundy's got that smile where nobody can get their head around what he does when they look at his picture. She is completely pathological. So with what happened between Adam and Morena, it seems like Jody did the exact same thing to Ruby and Kevin over a decade later. Yeah, it seems like she used the same tactics, and I think it's safe to say that she is a master manipulator at this point. Honestly. I mean, it makes me wonder how many people she affected. Yeah, or how many other couples aren't even aware that they were affected and manipulated that are still divorced. Right. Like Morena, I mean, she didn't know she was being brainwashed. Exactly. That's a good point. And you see, like Ted Bundy, Jody did not only have one or two victims— a pattern of separations, restraining orders, and accusations of physical abuse seem to follow many of Jody's clients. But until recently, most of her clients were terrified to speak out against her. She had the power of Mormon elites behind her. And it was obvious to everyone that with this power, she could destroy your life and your family. Wait, so what do you mean by until recently? Like, did something else happen? Yeah, well, on August 30th, 2023, Jody and Ruby were arrested for child abuse. They both were arrested? Yeah, so one of Jody's neighbors answered the door to find an emaciated 12-year-old boy with open wounds on his wrist and duct tape around his ankles. The boy was Russell Frankie, Ruby and Kevin's youngest son. Now, according to police reports, Russell had been bound with rope and deprived of food at Jody's house. Somehow, he had freed himself from the ropes and escaped through a window before fleeing to a neighbor's house for help. Russell told police that Jody had tied him and his two siblings up with rope and that she and his mother had smeared a mixture of honey and cayenne pepper on their wounds. Ew. When searching Jody's home, police found nine-year-old Eve severely emaciated, just like her brother. And police also discovered two pairs of handcuffs, ropes, and rolls of duct tape in the home. According to the police report, Ruby and Jody were hundreds of miles away at the Frankie's residence when Russell escaped. Jody returned to her home while police were still searching her house. And at some point after this, Jody and Ruby were arrested. Wow, that's crazy. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, that whole Turpin family case with Jordan Turpin. Yeah, and how she escaped and like saved all of her siblings and they were all tied up on their bed and everything. Yeah. Very similar. And I think they were very religious people. Nothing against religion, but very religious people, very strict in right. their parenting. And, and A lot of similarities here. A lot of similarities. Now, since their arrest, Jody and Ruby have been charged with six counts of felony child abuse. Each count carries a maximum of 15 years in prison, which means that Jody and Ruby could face a sentence as long as 90 years. I hope. Their bail hearing, which was originally scheduled for September 21st, is now being postponed until October. At least until then, both women will remain behind bars. Ruby and Kevin's four youngest children are currently being cared for by the state but Kevin is reportedly trying to win back custody of his kids. Wow. That's really sad. Yeah, it is. Now, since their arrest, clients, neighbors, and family members have begun to speak out. Neighbors described red flags that actually led them to call CPS years before. 
After her mom's arrest, Sherry Frankie, Ruby and Kevin's oldest daughter, posted a photo of police investigating the family home on her Instagram story, and she captioned the photo, finally. Ruby's sister, Julie, posted a video explaining how they felt when Ruby started to become intertwined with Jody and her cult. Julie said, We all felt weird about this Jody lady. We didn't like the teachings Ruby was bringing to the family functions. And we were this close to telling her, if you come to our family events anymore, we do not want to hear what you are learning through connections because we don't like it. I feel like that's probably all she ever talked about, too. Yeah, truth. And what was the other word that she threw around all the time? Distortions. Distortions. <laughs> The year prior to Ruby's arrest, Sherry cut ties with her family as her mom's punishments became more and more extreme. Allegedly, Sherry had reached out to her aunts, Ruby's sisters, about the abuse that they were experiencing in the house. Sherry's aunts claimed that they did everything that they could legally to protect the children before her sister's arrest. Ruby's sister-in-law, Jennifer Frankie, was a bit harsher when she spoke to the media about the arrest. She said that Ruby isn't really my cup of tea. I never really liked her from day one. If you look up narcissist in the dictionary, there will be a picture of Ruby. I believe that. Now, since it has only been about one month since Ruby and Jody's arrest, these allegations and victim testimonies are probably just the tip of the iceberg. Who knows what else will come to light during their trial. We will do our best to keep you up to date in the coming months, and we hope to see that the Frankie children stay safe and are in the care of people who love them. In the meantime, if you're interested in hearing Adam Steed's full five-hour interview on his experience with Jody, check out the Mormon Stories podcast on YouTube. The podcast hopes to expose sexual abuse scandals within the LDS community And through their most recent interviews and episodes, the hosts hope that more victims will come forward to demand justice. If you are currently experiencing abuse or you are concerned that a child is being abused, please call or text the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453 to connect with a counselor. Or you can also visit their website at childhelp.org for additional resources, referrals, and to start a live chat with a child help representative. The website also has resources for identifying physical, sexual, and emotional abuse in children, as well as how to spot signs of neglect. This website is a great tool for anyone who is concerned about a child in their lives and for those who work with children on a regular basis. And I feel like that sums up this week's episode. It does. Yeah, pretty powerful. All right. And before we jump off here, we do have a few patrons that we would love to shout out. And this does not include any of the Apple premium subscribers, but we do thank you so much for supporting our show. This week, we are shouting out Nicole, Erica, Samantha, Allison, Carrie, and Gay. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. We really appreciate it. And remember, uh, so basically you can, on Apple or Patreon, you can do a free trial. So it's like seven-day free trial. Pretty cool. Uh, No matter what, it's always a dollar for ad-free on Patreon. And then we're adding uh, the side salads. Yeah, enjoy the crunchy side salads. They're always fresh. Going to finally have consistent bonus episodes. Yeah, here we go. We're jumping into the bonus world. Jumping into the salad bowl. All you can eat. 